Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Elixir Mix. This week on the panel we have Dr. Wolf, me, that's it. Adi and Alan left me behind, I'm very sad. But we have a special guest this week, so I'm at least not alone and need to do a monologue. That is Paul Fioravanti. So Paul, why don't you tell people why you are here and what we are going to talk about today? Hi there, thanks for having me on the show. My name is Paul Fioravanti and I am on Elixir Mix because I recently did a video called Build a Real-Time Twitter Clone with Steno using LiveView and Phoenix 1.6 on YouTube, where I use a stenographic keyboard to essentially do a cover version of uh, Chris McCord's famous Twitter demo. That is quite something, Paul. I mean, it's super cool, but like, what is the story here? Like, how did you end up arriving there? Because I, I really want to hear about the journey. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, the journey started way before I decided to do anything with Elixir uh, with Steno, but uh, it really just started with me wondering, like sort of going way back, you know, can I improve my QWERTY typing speeds? And I was looking for, uh, for you know, any kind of variety of ways, whether that was, you know, looking at Dvorak and Colmac and, and Workman, I wanted to really get some kind of, uh, you know, an edge in speed and comfort when spending long times doing typing. But none of those particular, I guess, keyboard input methods really ended up appealing to me. But then I stumbled across the Open Steno project, which sort of introduced me to the concept of stenography. And so for anyone that doesn't know, I mean, stenography is essentially the process of writing shorthand. So you may have seen uh, journalists sort of, you know, with their small notebooks there, and they would uh, sort of do these little scribbles there that would represent words and, and syllables and whatnot. But, you know, that's all, that's all sort of pen and paper stenography. But on a keyboard, you do, you write stenography by sort of pressing multiple keys together in a chord, kind of like playing a piano. And so the output of those strokes can be anything from a single letter or word or multiple words or full phrases. And and so looking into that really appealed to me. And I just decided to go and see, all right, I'll, I'll learn this and uh, maybe it will help me out uh, in my day-to-day -day work with writing Slack messages and, uh, you know, writing emails and all the stuff that I didn't really want to do. But then that then extended to, all right, well, can I use this for coding? And that then took me on another completely separate journey uh, that ended up resulting in, uh, you know, my latest video where I attempted to build an app from scratch in Elixir. Honestly, that's amazing. Like, I did know about Steno myself because there's like a little tangent now because I'm, I'm also like a role-playing uh, game, tabletop role-playing games, think D&D, right? And I also run those games. And I was thinking, hey, maybe maybe I can learn Steno to keep my notes, like to, 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 to do notes super quick, right? Like while people are playing. <laughs> yeah. never ended up learning it, to be honest. But so <laughs> that is my contact with it. Um, yeah, do, doing doing Steno for like on, on the PC and doing it for like programming that like never occurred to me like never ever so how long have you been doing this now i initially got into steno in about in uh, 2018 but i sort of i went and did it sort of fairly diligently and practiced it for a year and then i sort of fell off in 2019 but then picked it up again in 2020 so 
you know, e- even though mm-hmm. uh, you know technically with Steno, if you if you're really diligent and you practice a lot, uh, you know you can get up, to, you can get you know speeds up to you know 200 or even 300 words per minute. Uh, I'm literally nowhere near that. I'm probably at the moment approaching my my old qwerty levels of typing, which is you mm-hmm. know, maybe about 80, 85 words a minute. But uh, probably one of the reasons why I didn't well, I didn't end up focusing too much on getting my speed up because I ended up devoting more time to figuring out, okay, is this going to be a what what's the possibility of me being able to use this as my daily driver and you know can i use this realistically mm-hmm. for my work as a developer and and what do i what kind of setup do i need to create in order to make that a reality and uh, that took me down yeah, multiple rabbit holes but they ended up being fruitful in the end there were there were long and deep and dark rabbit holes but ended up uh, emerging <laughs> emerging from them i think relatively successfully gonna have this mental image of like alice falling into a rabbit, the rabbit hole right <laughs> very so, much like that yeah um, yeah i can imagine so maybe let's focus on that and let's talk about okay i can very much imagine using steno for something like writing an email right? because this is kind of where and not maybe necessarily writing an email this is where it comes from right? but but writing texts, things said and spoken by humans and, and putting them on paper or in this case into a into a computer. And um, how and if is using Steno for programming different? Because I mean just just take a look at at Elixir, for example, you'd write dev module, right? Like that is that is not even a word yeah, <laughs> in the absolutely. normal English language. So what what is the gist there? Is this like the kind of a dialect of its own or how do I imagine what this is working? Yeah. Well so what I ended up having to do is uh, I guess so there's multiple levels there. So you write in that so Steno is all well and good for for just English language words. Uh, but then of course in coding we've got a bunch of symbols that we use we know we have we have brackets we you have you mm-hmm, know lists mm-hmm. we have percentage signs and like all these other symbols that i mean steno keyboards are able to output all of them uh, you know using specific chords but they're probably a little bit more i guess they they're less used in sort of text speech uh, you know transcription than they would be in coding and so what the the rabbit hole that that ended up leading me down into was the realm of snippets and so you know steno itself is kind of like snippets on steroids you know you sort of press multiple keys at the same time and things can you know Boom, mul- a word or multiple words can just <laughs> sort of appear out of out of nowhere there yeah. and so but because steno isn't necessarily geared for being able to sort of go through you know like a, I guess a code block or like you know a case statement and then you know moving first to okay case expression mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. condition and then sort of going through you know each each part of that construct there and putting putting text in I had to go and look for some other options there and so you know when it comes to snippets I know that a lot of developers will leverage their IDE uh, to help out a little bit with that but for myself I am a Vim user and I needed to uh, go and search for a library and so I found one in the form of uh, ulti snips and uh, and so what I did was that I went and, and like wrote a whole bunch of custom snippets for all the programming languages that I use. Elixir is currently the one that I've got sort of is most fleshed out. But mm-hmm. in the end, I mean, you know, what I'm able to do then is to just, you know, write certain trigger trigger words to then to then, I guess, create these programming constructs a lot easier. I mean, there are obviously uh, Vim snippets themselves, uh, like ulti snips, are used by various people who don't use Steno. What they will tend to do is use sort of little mnemonics 
mnemonics sort of uh, mm-hmm. i don't know like maybe two letter mnemonics or, or whatever else and so you have the cognitive or i think that you have the cognitive overhead of having to remember all of these mnemonics here as opposed to what i can do with steno is that i just have them as words because they are you know, easy to understand words they are just as easy to output on screen as any kind of mnemonics there because it could just be one or two steno strokes that can you know get me to the trigger word that i want and uh, it makes it i find at least when demoing it makes it a bit more and i have to show people the code that i'm doing it makes it a bit more of a visceral experience where i can say things like okay i want to you know prepend to a list and i can write you know prepend list and then those two words they people can see those two words there turn into a list where it's like you know you've got the the first the tail uh sorry the the head uh, element and then the pipe and then you know the next element there and i can just sort of like tab stop through each of those bits to edit and yeah there's there's that sort of like it sort of helps to bridge the gap between you know what i'm talking about in plain english to what uh, is being seen on an editing screen that makes a lot of sense to me. So basically, maybe let me reiterate. So basically how this works is like you you kind of still use Steno to like then write out words, like print list, for example, just in the Steno fashion, which then triggers snippets to, to make it easier to, for, for, for those special programming constructs to appear on screen, right? Yeah, that's right. And like, I just I, one thing I, had, I have to ask here, but you just said you're a Vim user, so so <laughs> because I'm I'm a Vim user myself, but I mean I use like a default QWERTY keyboard, right, to to, to do my Vim. Like, how does Vim and, and a Steno keyboard? How does that work together? Like, do you have it all mapped for, for different movements? Because to in my head I, earlier when you when you were saying Steno for programming, I was thinking it's kind of like like Vim only for writing because Vim is also like this weird shorthand language for moving right through an edit through a document. So, yeah, absolutely. So how does this work? I mean, it works very well. Uh, I mean, I've I've got uh, sort of my own custom dictionary that's sort of full of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Vim related you know commands. There. So and and they will will sometimes just output. I guess, just combinations of standard keystrokes. Like, say, for example, one that I can think of is, say, for example, I want to change the contents of a word inside of a pair of quotes. So, you know, in Vim, you'd sort of say, you know, C-I, and then you'd do like a double quote. And mm-hmm. so I have uh, instead there a just a chord there. that So I wanted to say change in quote. I want to do that in one stroke. So I sort of, you know, think in my own head, okay, that, that, comes out in steno as like choked and then that then will just change everything that i want in quote so this is sort of like this is what you're sort of hearing now is like part of like the the, the steno way of thinking where you you take these concepts and in order to sort of make them shorter and shorter and shorter and so that you can you know stroke things in with just like one chord as much as possible to make things quicker yeah so abbreviate your thought processes and and what you're in and what you're outputting so i've got that and of course and you know when it comes to other vim things i've got ones that will i don't know like if I have, uh, I've got ones that refresh my ulti snips if I make any changes there. I've got ones that will sort within a block. I mean, anything that you can do in with just like standard keyboard, you know, you can you can do in Vim. It does then lead to, I guess, sort of like steno computer usage in general, where by, you know, say, for example, the concept of saving. So I want to save something and, you know, most most programs uh, have, you know, like a I guess in like a control S or a command S hotkey, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know Vim, which is you know colon W, and and so you know how do you 
disambiguate between all of that. And so what I ended up needing to do, so I'm a, I'm a Mac user as well. And so I was thinking, all right, well, all I want to do is just remember one chord. I want to remember the chord for save. And then I want it to save properly depending on what program I have open. So like get that context right. And so I went looking for you know, some kind of systems programming language. Wasn't quite sure if one really existed. And I ended up having to use, uh, in my case, Apple Script. So I've got... Uh, <laughs> And it, it, I mean, look, it's if I could use any other uh, language, then I absolutely would. But what I've got here at the moment is that uh, so I've got you know Plover, which is the the Steno software that that takes my 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 Steno keystrokes and outputs them as English. I've got uh, that has a very rich plugin system, and so one of the plugins there will allow you to stroke a chord that will then call a shell script. So well, it enables you to call out to the shell. And so what I've done is that I've got okay, I've got that it calls out Plover, calls out to shell script, which then calls out to Apple script, which then does its magic to well, it's magic, it's stuff that will look through and say, all right, well, have you got Vim in focus? If so, then you know, do colon W. If you've got you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. any other anything else, just do you know command S or whatever. And so I've created a whole bunch of those Apple scripts there, uh, spent lots of time mm-hmm. trying to figure out the idiosyncrasies of doing all of that. <laughs> and uh, he wrote up a couple of blog posts about uh, the the trials of, of doing that with uh, certain things. But, but what it means is that you know I now just don't have to worry about hotkeys for specific programs. I just worry about concepts. I want to save something. I want to load something. I want to refresh something. You know, what does that mean in each context? I mean, you know, say for example, you know, refresh, like a Vim specific one would be, you know, refresh. Refresh is typically, you know, for web browsers. You know, refresh a web browser. It's not too much else that you refresh. And it's probably safe to say, all right, whenever I want to refresh, it's just like control R, uh, command R. But in the Vim specific context, I want it to refresh my the cache for my control P, a fuzzy find searching for when, yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, okay, makes and, sense. Yeah, so that's like the only exception there. But it's all just the same. It's like just refresh and do whatever is needed when need, when uh, when I want to refresh. I love that, to be honest, because it, it makes so much sense to me to say, okay, like I have these concepts, refresh, save, whatever else, right? And I, I want to map them, like, uh, if it's intense, and I want to map them to, like, a concrete program I'm using. It it makes a lot of sense to me. And it's also, it, it's kind of elegant in the way that by calling out to a shell script, which then calls out to Apple script, yeah, okay, let's, I mean, Apple script is just a we- weapon of choice, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it opens up a whole door for automation also, right? Like, so if you at some point want to say, hey, maybe I, I want to have, like, a higher level concept, right? Like, which maybe does multiple things at once, you'd already have these building blocks. And that's kind of beautiful. I love that. I mean, yeah. I, I myself am a bit of an automization nerd, I would say, but it doesn't go to these lengths. Uh, I have, for example, I'm, I've built like a little very dirty and ugly, but for me it works, shell script around uh, Git, and I call it a fuzzy finder, fuzzy finder Git, basically. Like, and it lists all the files that were changed, and I can kind of do context-sensitive with like tap, I add it to the index, move from the index, have shortcuts, right? So that is my, my workflow when I integrate with Git, and it's like super ugly bash, but... <laughs> does the job and it, it, it saves me a bunch of keystrokes I would otherwise have to do so I can very much sympathize with the idea there yeah I think that's right I mean like it's basically whatever gets the job done and in, yes, in exactly, my case yeah. as a Mac user you know Apple Script did the job if anyone who is listening to this uh, has a better idea particularly cross-platform systems language you know that uh, that could work in this situation then I, I'd love for them, for them to reach out to me I'd be more than happy to uh, rewrite what I've got to be more shareable to 
to more than more than just Mac users. Yeah, yeah. I guess at that point it's also very niche, right? Because I mean, at the end of the day, it might be some accessibility software could be help helpful here. Maybe even a, like a kind of a screen reader thing. But then at that point, you get to okay, like you also want to use it with Wim, which is like again a niche, and it can get into a niche of a niche of a niche. <laughs> That's right. I'm at this at this point. It's niches all the way down, <laughs> all the way down, indeed. <laughs> Okay, so just to do like clarify this, like you have this, you have like your Steno keyboard, right? I don't just presume that you're using it with like a default QWERTY keyboard, right? That's right. Yeah. So uh, when it comes to hardware, so I initially started on a uh, on an Ergodox Easy keyboard, and so mm-hmm. you know that's a, a now commercially available keyboard, and you know it's used used mostly for for just you know, standard keyboard input. It's a, it's a QWERTY keyboard through and through, but it is uh, built, well, the firmware that it uses is uh, is quantum mechanical keyboard firmware, otherwise known as QMK. And that is um, an open source uh, firmware that that enables you to, or that has you know, firmware for a whole range of different keyboards there and now allows you to customize your, your keyboard firmware for how brain thinks rather than some some product specification uh, so that's really great and uh, it has support for stenography so you know when i first started you know, i didn't have a stenographic keyboard i, I just you know, just had the ergodox and so i created this you know a stenography layer in my uh, in my mm-hmm. firmware there that you know it allowed me allowed me to switch between qwerty then back to uh, back to steno again you know as i needed and so that enabled that that basically reduced the barrier to entry where basically you know any I mean anyone with an nkro keyboard so like an n key rollover keyboard where your keyboard can recognize a key like simultaneous key press for however many keys that you've got on the board which is needed for steno cording you know if you have one of those keyboards then you have the ability to be able to you know give steno a try so you know i definitely encourage you know anyone especially mechanical keyboard nerds especially absolutely go for it it'd probably be a little bit more difficult for uh, for commercial you know keyboard users because they they will potentially be limited to maybe six key rollover. That's kind of the, the standard there. So yeah, look, if you have a, a keyboard and you want to give it a try, then there are you know there are many different options there for you. Uh, if you have a, a, a staggered layout, sort of you know the, the, where the keys are diagonal, then then you have the opportunity. Then there is the chance to uh, to get something called Steno key toppers. So because Steno cording is all about uh, you know pressing multiple keys together, you where you want to have the keys themselves in a ortho linear or like a straight sort of pattern as much as possible, and uh, and you also want them to be close together so that you can uh, you know use your fingers to press multiple keys uh, at the same time. And so that's why the Ergodox is a great uh, you know candidate for this. It has an ortho linear layout and it makes it sort of easy to stroke multiple keys. And so so yeah, it just reduces the barrier. You can. And all you have to do is just download the download the software, give it a try, and and you're off. It's also really handy if you have, I guess, very flat keycaps there. So I mean, when I had my uh, my well, I still have my original Ergodox, but when I first started, I had uh, I guess molded keycaps. So there's a uh, sort of certain molded keycaps that are different for each row of your keyboard that make things a lot more ergonomic to use uh, for your for your key presses. And so I found that cording those together didn't really work so much. So I had to 
sort of switch them out for just you know as keycaps that were as flat as possible, and then that made things uh, yeah a lot more comfortable. So uh, so yeah, there is some preparation that it's uh, definitely need need to do if you want to take it seriously. But I think that much like all of the rabbit holes and all of the all the you know niches all the way down that we referenced before, if you just want to get started and uh, and sort of uh, you know and have play around, then there's no real barrier for you to do that. You just go to the uh, Open Steno project. Uh, website and you can download the uh, the software called Plover, install it on your machine, and then you can just get up and running and have a bit of a play around with it. And I've got, there are multiple resources to do that. Uh, I have have a, a couple of blog posts around getting started with stenography, uh, in in my case, specifically for ErgoDocs, but I also did a guest blog post on the the ZSA blog, ZSA being the company that created or that, that created and sells uh, the ErgoDocs EZ, the Plank EZ, and the Moonlander keyboards. So I did a guest blog post there talking all about stenography and how you can get started uh, with it and, and up and running and, and playing around and, and even using uh, you know for ZSA they have a special tool there which enables you to use a GUI to create your firmware and download it without having to delve into the uh, the C code of QMK so mm-hmm. you know typically if you're a web developer and you're not interested in sort of going down to the bare metal and and, uh, and bare metal of programming and writing uh, C uh, lang key maps then that's definitely a tool that helps reduce that barrier to entry wow like as we said earlier rabbit holes rabbit holes rabbit holes but seriously that i'm kind of impressed like how was there at any time like in your personal journey the point where you said now i'm done <laughs> i don't want to dive into yet another rabbit hole or was it always fueled by like by this interest and enthusiasm for stenography because i could very much imagine since we kind of talked about niches of niches of niches, right? That, that, that you can come to a point where you say, nah, I'm just going to stick to my old way of doing things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it happened when I first started, I guess. After mm-hmm. after getting into it and really doing a deep dive uh, back in 2018, I just kind of fell off a cliff in 2019 and I didn't touch it at all. And I completely forgot about it. And and then when I, I picked it up again and with, uh, with renewed vigor uh, a year later, and that was sort of as a result of... Being uh, being nudged by some people in the Steno community, which was uh, which was really nice of them to do, and I just went and gave it a, a, and tried again, and I guess set a, a specific routine for me to really get back on it again. Mm-hmm. So you know, dedicated time for practicing, because you know what I've talked about before, what what I just talked about with regards to setting up Plover, the software on your computer and sort of, you know, getting all your configuration set up. I mean, devs love to do all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, once you've got everything up and running, the hard part is actually then learning stenography and the discipline to sort of keep on, you know, going and practicing it, you know, even if it hurts, uh, you know, every, every day. Brain, and, to, right? and to That's right. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's what I needed to do in the end. And, and, and really just, I ended up, writing all of my practice sessions inside of a, a log to sort of give me that that small dopamine hit when I could uh, sort of see, you know, over the, the the days and the months where, you know, I had, I guess, speed improvements or whatnot. But, uh, but that was really necessary for me to get to a point where I could confidently then remove 
my QWERTY keyboard from my desk. And but that was actually only at the beginning of this year, 2023. So I'd, I'd actually been doing, I guess, a, a hybrid work model uh, where I had my my stenographic keyboard in front of me like the whole time. And then the ErgoDox was sitting just behind it in case I got to the point where it was just like, oh, look, I can't, I can't deal with uh, Steno at the moment. I just need to focus on this coding problem. So I'd sort of switch back to QWERTY. I'd go back and forth and back and forth. And then, but as a result of having some accountability buddies in the, uh, you know, in the Steno community, one particular person who had uh, who had read what I'd written about it and had gotten into Steno that way was telling me that he had just gone full time Steno and gotten rid of QWERTY. And he was a you know a coder, sort of like a low level systems programmer. And he said, "Yep, I'm just using it full time." And I'm like, "Okay, if you can use this full time, then I think that I should." I should get, at least give this a try. And so, you know, starting at the beginning of 2023, I just went cold turkey. I unplugged the Ergodox. I put it away. <laughs> like I, I just taking all tempt, all quirky temptations were removed from my desk. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to grit my teeth and, and bear through this. And to be honest, I mean, I'd done enough preparation, getting my, uh, you know, various dictionaries, uh, you know, full of coding related stuff in order. It only took a short amount of time to adjust to it. That is, of course, after a year or two of constant practice and you know preparation of the of all of the coding related stuff that I that I use every day. But yeah, it was just kind of like you know setting the raft adrift and now just never looking back. That makes a lot of sense. It also it sounds to me like you kind of built layers, so to speak, right? Like your first start, okay, like Stenner in general, right? like okay, maybe starting with the English language, for example, writing things out, then like having this setup of okay, now I have this pl uh, pl plugin with like the not the plugin with the snippets, right? Like, so I have like a work. I would assume you probably have a workflow there to add new snippets potentially, right? And have that sorted out so that you can then kind of build the programming language, so to speak, <laughs> for all the stenography things. So, Like you, you build, you can kind of like building a uh, building, uh, building a building here, um, one level at a time. Oh, that, that's it, exactly it right. This, yeah, yeah. It kind of reminds me of like on a very much lower level when I first started out doing Vim, right? Like the first time, where you like, how do I move my cursor? Ah, it feels so weird, <laughs> <laughs> right? But you, uh, you kind of, uh, you kind of have to grit your teeth and get on with it. And then at some point, you're like, oh, yeah, this is, this is kind of nice. And now every time when I'm when I'm at a, at a colleague's laptop, for example, and they don't have them, I'm always like, ah, no, ah, muscle memory. Ah. <laughs> I'm, I'm typing things <laughs> I don't want to type. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, maybe to that, have, can you still type QWERTY? <laughs> Are you, have you unlearned QWERTY to a certain degree? Oh, I mean, so I think that they use different sections of the brain, to be honest. So I, I like QWERTY is okay, still absolutely okay. fine. I mean, I have to use the uh, the keyboard on my laptop when I don't have access to a Steno keyboard, or or I'm just using using it on the couch or, or whatever else. But uh, you know, I think that Steno to me isn't a replacement for QWERTY in in that way. It's uh, it's it's too far removed. It doesn't feel like makes sense. Uh, you know, a dialect of QWERTY that you know I could then potentially you know get get muddled in my head uh, to me it, it's sort of i mean i'm not musical so i can't i you know i can't play any sort of instruments or anything like that so i can't you know say whether it you know, engages uh you know the brain in the same way that uh, that it does let's say like musicians do so i hear that a lot in the steno community where a lot of people say that it's like playing a musical instrument but for me it was more it engaged 
the, I guess, I felt like it engaged the areas of my brain around learning a new, a new human language. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it felt like having to, you know, learn all this, you know, these grammar patterns again, these, you know, specific words. And, uh, and it just ended up siloing itself, uh, you know, in, in another part of, uh, of my brain. I never really got confused between, between Steno and, uh, and QWERTY at all. It's just like a completely completely different concept. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But having said that, though, point. I mean, much much like when you go and learn languages, what you were saying before about the, you mentioned... Learning oh, Vim? Uh, yeah, well, so learning Vim, but then, oh, sorry, the muscle memory. So you mentioned muscle, muscle memory. memory about those sort of, obviously, when you start learning Vim and you have to, you know, learn all of it, all of the, the, the letters and, and essentially the Vim language, you know, how do I mm. do what I want to do in Vim? I mean, it's really similar with Steno. I mean, you have to, in order to build muscle memory, you have to take yourself to the gym. And that gym exactly. is basically just practice, practice, practice. Uh, it can be drills. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't like it. You really just have to budget this time to say, all right, I'm going to take 30 minutes, <laughs> an hour or whatever, and just do this very focused time. Distract yourself with music or podcasts or, or whatever else. But if you put in that time, then, you know, you will reap the the benefits later on. Yeah, 100%. I can 100% relate to it. I'm also getting to a point where I try to integrate Vim into other parts of my life. Like in general, when I write documents, I just enjoy doing that with Vim, like with Vim key bindings, because every every time I now get to a point where, where I'm in a document where I can't do Vim, I've always, ah, I, I want to move there. Why, why, why can't I? <laughs> it's, it's, it's getting getting annoying to that degree. So I can very much sympathize. I can sympathize with wanting to basically take a tool that you love and wanting to yeah. put it into, you know, as many parts of your life as possible. And, uh, and you know, I've sort of done that with Steno as well. I mean, I went down the rabbit hole of, you know, how can I use Steno for coding? And then it was a case of, all right, well, you know, what else can I use Steno for? And I thought, all right, well, maybe I might try using it for gaming. Like, can I use it to game, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, oh, wow. is can it be used for anything else aside from, you know, like typing games or whatever? And, you know, that would all, you know, if typing games is kind of a, you know, an obvious use case for it. But one use case that I didn't expect uh, to have happen was the ability to be able to play Doom. So classic Doom from uh, 1993. So there is a mod for Doom called Typist, which basically turns to Doom into a typing game. And so, you know, whenever you encounter an enemy, sort of a word appears on top of its screen there, and, uh, and then you type the word to destroy the enemy there. And I decided, all right, well, what can I do that, uh, you know, with Steno? And so I ended up going down that rabbit hole. I wrote a whole bunch of like specific gaming firmware for my stenographic keyboard to be able to make <laughs> sure that, all right, I can, so that I can Steno as well as switch back between, I guess, QWERTY so that I can move my character around the uh, the map because, you know, obviously, you know, there's more, there's more than just typing. I mean, you have to go and find the enemies. And then, you know, when you encounter an enemy, you kind of, at least in the typist mode, you get frozen into into place while you have to type it out. So on a QWERTY keyboard, you don't have to worry about switching modes or anything like that. You just kind of freeze into place, type the word, destroy the enemy, and then you move on. But with Steno, there are you know, separate modes there. So you have to like, I had to you know, consciously switch between a QWERTY keyboard mode on my Steno keyboard that I, where I could move around and then back to Steno again. And so, and so I had to do a, a whole bunch of uh, firmware tweaking to enable that to happen. And then I thought that, oh, like do, doing this with my, you know, with my hands constantly, especially because doing, trying to figure out like how to type a word when you've got like these enemies bearing down on you is just kind of like, it's like, oh, it's like very stressful. And so I ended up bringing in a, um, a foot pedal to my workflow there. So I, I ended up uh, 
getting getting one and that uh, you know when i would press the foot pedal it would sort of switch between steno mode and keyboard mode or uh, steno mode and qwerty mode so i could you know go back and forth between moving character around and, and typing and but yeah it made doom tremendously fun i've made a uh, i've got a video up on uh, on youtube of me doing the the first episode of the uh, of the original doom there and i'm hoping to do more to sort of show people the uh, abilities of steno to be able to you know do gaming and sort of once i've had my fill of doom i'll i'll see if it can uh, how applicable it is to other games as well we'll see that's amazing seriously reminds me on this is this guy which played dark souls on a guitar hero guitar <laughs> oh, i think i saw that so, yeah <laughs> so yeah it's kind of getting in the same direction right but in this case it's it's Steno, not a guitar hero guitar so yeah <laughs> that's that's pretty neat um so honestly like what, what you just laid out as with a foot pedal at that point it really does sound like playing playing a music instrument right because i mean you also said that the kids it's kind of like chords you press multiple keys at once so on and so forth and um, one thing which popped now into my head is like a thing especially in the tech industry and among programmers what we talk about is like health with like keyboards right and like you kind of the movements of our fingers is not really a natural thing to do so you, you can get stress mm. injuries is steno better there like is steno something which is just more suitable to the way we use our hands or is it is this like kind of a same issue i mean i think it's quite ergonomic more than perhaps i mean obviously qwerty being the sort of the 19th century mm -hmm. layout that it is it was not necessarily made for uh, efficiency you know you do your fingers do a lot of travel and you know you only have the option of you know pressing you know each key press will only garner you a single letter and so you know as opposed to keyboard as opposed to center keyboards where there's significantly less keys uh, on there there's only really two rows there and you can think of it as you know your your fingers don't essentially really leave home row steno steno ho like so home row on a keyboard on a query keyboard is you know obviously you've got your index fingers and you put them on f and j and you've got uh, asdf and then then j jkl semicolon that's your home row but in steno it's actually the cracks between two rows of keys and and that's basically where your fingers stay and and they don't really move too far from that at all uh, there's no real stretching there's well, mm -hmm. maybe on your your right hand needs to stretch occasionally uh, to get some of the keys at the uh, the end of the, of the center keyboard on the right hand side but compared to what is done in qwerty yeah, the uh, the strain on your on your hands is uh, significantly less. I found that uh, using steno for longer periods of time is uh, significantly less taxing on my hands than uh, than using qwerty for an equivalent amount of time at the same speed levels. So you know, for anyone who is looking for an, an alternative solution, you know, for preventing carpal tunnel or for or for just making their typing experience a lot more pleasant uh, then I definitely recommend you know having a look into it I mean that was actually one of the reasons why I looked into way back when I sort of got into mechanical keyboards in the first place and I was like okay my shoulders feel like they're sort of scrunched in together using a uh, you know a standard qwerty keyboard so I wanted a split keyboard and so that's where I found the ergodox and you know and I wanted to keep that split sort of keyboard not aesthetic but the, the setup and so the keyboard the steno keyboard that I have is called the Georgie that is also a split keyboard as well so it means that you know I can keep my shoulders in a, in a nice neutral position and, and keep them relaxed and then combine that with you know very low travel 
travel time for my fingers means that you know extended coding sessions don't don't cause me any real discomfort that I can think of at the moment. That makes a lot of sense. Do you still use a mouse like when interacting with your computer? Because I mean, now we've basically spoken about cold coding, right? And writing documents and so on and so forth. But like for interacting with your computer, do you still have a mouse there? Or is this also standard away? No, I haven't been able to do that. So my one of my, obviously, when people start using, you know, Vim, one of their objectives is to, you know, reduce usage of the, of, uh, of the mouse. Yes, and yes, that's, yeah. uh, that's exactly what I, and I wanted to further do that with Steno, but it wasn't all completely possible. I mean, I have my, uh, I have my mouse sort of sitting in the middle, sort of in the, uh, between the two halves of my keyboard there. And uh, sort of, I okay, have yeah. a, um, a pro point mouse. So it's like a little, little tiny mouse It's like pen grip mouse. So it doesn't really take up very much room, but I try and use it, you know, the least amount as possible. You know, I try and, uh, you know, control my keyboard, uh, sorry, not my, tr- control my computer with steno, with chords. Anytime that I feel like there's uh, somewhere that I can use a steno in place of a mouse, I will usually try and, and, and investigate a way to do that. If anyone has a look at my sort of elixir, a video where I re- recreate the uh, the Steno Chirp app, and then also where I've I've got another similar video where I recreate the like a Ruby on Rails blog, uh, the, the the DHH's demo for that. I consciously made those demos to use to either not use a mouse or just you know use it the the least amount as possible. So basically, you know, any time that I would use a mouse, like say, for example, if I needed to, I don't know, like click on the address in a web browser, you know, there is a hot key to do that. But I would tend to, I would tend to reach for my mouse to do that typically, but I decided, all right, no, have to like try and break that habit. So I went and, you know, created a chord that would go and go and select that for me. So I do actively look for ways to reduce mouse usage, uh, not possible for me mm-hmm. yet. And that's okay. Like, I don't, I don't really mind, like, I'm not anti mouse or anything like that. But I certainly do want to uh, keep my hands on my keyboard as much as I possibly can. Makes sense to me. What actually do you do? Like, as you just had this example, right? Like, you want to reach for your mouse, but then you say, okay, maybe let's let's have set up an, a new chord for this. For example, the opening Slack. Like, what are the steps you then kind of go go through there? Is this something you do with Plover? Is that possible? Or the name of it was software, right? Or is there, is there something else involved there? Yeah, Plover, correct. So say, for example, with... So I've, I've done a bunch of... Let's see, what's a good example? Well, I guess that with... Uh, what we were just talking about with selecting the the web address in in the web browser, I would look at it and go, okay, this is a this is a potential for me to create a chord here. So, you know, what am I actually doing here? And so, for that one in particular, it was a case of, okay, I am I want to click on in the address bar and you know select all the text there. So, what would be a good chord for that? Like, what should I name it? And then I I, I sort of have a look at the Steno keyboard and it's like, all right, well, what words? What one? word stroke can I think of for that? And it, and it just came to me, all right, like address bar. And okay, can I type, can I write address bar with just one stroke on my standard keyboard? The answer to that is no. Okay, so then I want to sort of compress that together while still in a way that makes sense on the standard keyboard. So it came, it ended up being like the bar. So, you know, 
at dress and then bar. And so that was a, a way for me to remember it and uh, able to stroke it. So I would just basically like open up my standard dictionaries, which are all by default, they're all JSON files. But I tend to like to keep all of my uh, chord documentation with the, uh, you know, with the entries themselves. So I've actually got a, um, a Plover plugin that allows all the chords to be put in as markdown files. So I would open mm-hmm. up my files there and I would say, all right, I want to chord the bar in this case. And then I want it to then go and, uh, and then I assign it to the, the hotkey for for a web browser in this case and then i would uh, you know then go and refresh my dictionaries and then give it a try and then then that would be it then you know push it up to github yeah, okay. uh, so i so you know i have all of my uh, all of my steno dictionaries are all up on my github profile so if uh, if anyone else decides that they want to go and try steno for themselves and looking for ways to be able to you know use their computer or or use uh, you know steno for coding then i've tried to make uh, everything that i have created as uh, as open as possible and uh, and as usable as possible so but yeah look i mean that's it and then so so that was a i guess a, a very simple use case where i didn't have to do anything more complex than than think of a chord that would work and then map it to a specific hotkey. So there's no text output there. It's just like run the hotkey. What's more complicated is what we then talked about before, you know, the concept of save. Then it's like, okay, well, save is yeah, different yeah, depending on the yeah. context. Then that's when Apple Script comes into the, the picture. <laughs> that makes that makes sense to me. I'm honestly, I feel like I could, could talk about this for hours because I find it so fascinating. <laughs> I I always wonder because like a, lo- a lot of the, as you said earlier, a lot of the, the things we now kind of, how we interact with technology that has like just this, leg- like this legacy origin, right? I mean, like the, the, the layout quality is, from my understanding, is coming from uh, typewriters and like this is kind of optimized a bit on Jam. That is my understanding. <laughs> Obviously, that is not a problem anymore. <laughs> but still, we, the, 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 that is like this legacy we have there. So always, I did, always did wonder, like, if we could reimagine how we interact with technology nowadays, how would that look like? And honestly, from what you've been explaining to me so far, doesn't sound like the worst candidate. <laughs> yeah, oh, look, I mean, even without Steno, I mean, the ability to to reimagine how you want to interact with technology, you know, could be as straightforward as just going and rejigging your your firmware if your if your keyboard mm-hmm. supports it. I mean, you you as a developer don't have to just be content with what you've been given you have the ability to go and you know change things in there and you know even if you want to try out cording uh, like say for example um, you can do that with say qmk i mean even if you don't even if you have no interest in steno there is a way for you to be able to do things by pressing multiple keys together in uh, in qmk they're called combos so go and uh, go and check them out if on the qmk documentation if you're interested but you know they will then enable you to do steno style cording uh, without actually having to worry about the, uh, doing steno at all but yeah, look, there are many different ways that we can help ourselves uh, improve our workflows. And yeah, it, it just basically takes the, uh, the the desire and the will to spend the time to go and do this. And, you know, for myself, it was a case of look, this, uh, this, you know, Steno just sort of set my brain on fire. And I was like, I just, I, I love this. This is amazing. And I, I want to know more. I want to do more. And I just, you know, I want to feel like that uh, I guess make coding add another element of fun to it. That, yeah, I can very much sympathize with that. I mean, like, some, something like this you don't do unless you 
you enjoy doing it, right? Like it needs to tickle your brain in the right way. Yeah, and I mean that's what I'm that's what I'm sort of hoping to do with uh, with some of the content that I'm creating. You know, with these videos of you know the uh, creating the Phoenix app, creating the Rails app. But you know, I want to mm-hmm. be able to show developers that you know there are ways that you, know, you can do things differently, and there there is this option you know available, and it can do cool things. And so us as developers, you know, we like cool and shiny things, and so. Uh, <laughs> I'm sort of hoping that maybe the you know, stenography in the tech community uh, could end up being maybe the next new and shiny and, you know, encourage people to, to you know, give it a look and, uh, and see if it resonates with them as well. How big in general would you be saying that like tech and programming niche of the steno niche is? Is this, is this something like, is this like a, like a bigger niche inside of steno or is it still very much a select few individuals, so to speak? <laughs> I think that sort of traditional steno, so, you know, court reporters, and captioners there's Mm -hmm. very few programmers inside of that niche though inside of that niche but within the open steno community there is a lot of programmers and hardware tinkerers and hackers and software programmers and so you know the community for plover congregates at the on the plover discord and so you know if you uh, if yeah, you're okay. a discord user and you like it then and you're interested in in seeing what a stenography is all about and you want the ability to be able to go and uh, ask people questions then i would highly recommend you know joining the community there they are very welcoming and they they have you know all sorts of people there uh, including uh, plenty that are deeply technical i mean there are plenty there are people there that you know have they're the ones that write the plover plugins that i use on a daily basis they're the ones that create the uh, the boards for new and innovative stenographic keyboards so uh, you, know, you will you will find you as a developer will find your people there as well and so you know there are you know, specific channels on that discord that are dedicated to tech the 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 technological use of uh, of steno whether that is uh, you know coding or, or hardware hacking or, or whatever else so it is there. It is a it is a, a small a smallish community at the moment, but I think that at least from what I've seen over the last few years, it's it's ever growing as uh, as you know people sort of trickle their way through and uh, and they find Steno or they they encounter it somewhere and then they they come in and they start asking questions and then you know all of a sudden they're uh, they're contributing back to the community in in some in some way and it's uh, it, it's really great to see. That's amazing. Seriously, also sounds like like a fun place to be around if you like. If you're into like digging your teeth into this topic, I have two more questions I want to ask before like maybe also we, we can come to the end of this. And that is one is: Do you feel there are some programming languages which, which are easier to steno than others? <laughs> so like maybe I don't know. Like is is there an elixir with like with keywords easier to steno than C or Rust, or does it boil down to the same same kind of finding your finding your chords, finding your snippets? So. I think that they they would really be all the same. I think that it uh, because I guess if you were not going to use a layer of snippets like the Vim snippets that I mm-hmm. uh, mentioned previously, then there's uh, then probably how hard it is to input would be dependent on you know how many special characters and symbols mm-hmm. would be you know used within the the language there. But you know if you do use a layer of snippets there, then Ultimately, it just becomes irrelevant because the snippets will just write most of this, uh, most of it all for you. All of you know the if constructs, case constructs, or just you know modules or whatever else. Um, you know you can just have delegate off to the snippets and and you know have uh, have have it write have it write them for you. So I'd say that it's kind of like a great equalizer 
in that uh, in that respect. You know, all of I have to be honest, like I haven't really done much steno C coding because I I haven't sort of gone and and written an extensive library of snippets in the same way that I have with uh, Elixir. But I, there are other repositories up on GitHub of people that uh, that have, and so they for, for those ones, I mean, they just use you know snippets with mnemonics or whatnot. But for me, it would be a case of look if I want to write if I want to write switch if I want to write case if I want to write whatever the vim vim snippets or ulti snips will expand that particular word into the right programming construct for the language that I'm currently using. So, uh, so honestly, I think it would just end up being all the same. It, uh, this, that's not something that uh, that, would, that I would, would concern me whether one language is uh, is easier to steno than another. However, having said that, the only two languages that I've done so far, you know, Ruby and and Elixir, and so I, I'd like to do more in the future and and create a, a set of uh, snippets for other languages. So. So I will probably just put a pin in that question for now and you know, maybe <laughs> answer that at some point in the future when I have uh, more experience uh, stenoing in, uh, in, in more languages. Should challenge now, stenoing in brain fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be a video I, w- I would like to watch, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that would just be like steno part steno programming party tricks, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then the last but not least question is like, how would you suggest people to get started? And maybe like the, the like a similar phrase question, like if you could give your past self some advice, right? Like what would that be? So like if people have like I listen to all of this and feel, hey, this is super interesting. What is something you would suggest them to start with, and what is something you would give them on their way? As like advice, I'd say that uh, so the the Plover GitHub repo has some fantastic resources for both getting started in installing the Plover software, as well as a whole bunch of resources to uh, to get started with the harder stuff, which is uh, with learning stenography. So uh, you know there, there is a you know, significant amount of, of text based resources there that should uh, that should get you uh, on track. That as well as you know the Plover Discord and uh, and then various blog posts that are around, including ones that I've written that should uh, at least give you a leg up if you want to just get started. You know, because getting started, to be honest, is is the easy part. Mm-hmm. You know, the hard the hard part will be the actual you know learning steno you know developing yeah, your habits yeah. and actually sort of getting used to it all i guess if i was going to then you know give advice to my past self i would probably get a an accountability buddy earlier and uh, really helped me with my cadence and with having someone there with a shared interest who I then had a responsibility to, to ensure that I had some kind of progress to report back to. Like I didn't want to, you know, use up the time of my of my steno accountability buddy to sort of come back and say that, oh, like, you know, thanks for meeting with me, but like I didn't do anything last week. So, you know, I got nothing really to share with you. So it can uh, it can really be, you know, it's, it can be hard to do these kinds of things in isolation. So, uh, so if you possibly can, you know, get a buddy to bounce off of, whether that's, you know, bounce ideas off of or just, you know, practice together. You know, you don't have to be alone in, uh, in, in doing this. And, uh, and I thought that it really helped. And, and I was doing this in isolation for, for a long time, for probably a few, a couple of years at least, you know, before I 
really dived into the community, got my accountability buddy, and so and so that is that is definitely the main thing that I would uh, that I would say to my past self if I was able to do that. I could imagine it's also helpful if you have some specific questions, maybe right, like and, and being able to ask those to someone who has also a shared interest and like getting their their perspective on on how to tackle certain things. I mean, of course, you still have a community at that point. Absolutely, have a Discord, but I personally, at least, I always like this this personal connection, having somebody to ask questions. Yeah, look, ha having someone who is of the same sort of you know eagerness and excitement level as you, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to to sort of do this new undertaking, having that that kind of person to share your experiences with is something that I can definitely recommend. To be honest, that's good good advice even beyond learning Steno, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, Paul, is there anything else you would like kind of let our audience know and follow up to that? Uh, if people have questions for you, how can, can they reach you? Yeah, so I hope that I've been able to at least convince you to give Steno a try or at least to sort of look it up and, and see what uh, what all the fuss is about and get it installed onto uh, onto your computer, you know, give it a try and then uh, and then hopefully you know, it may just end up being the introduction to, uh, to a new hobby. We'll see. But, you know, I'm always happy to talk Steno and you can reach me uh, on Twitter and uh, at, uh, at Paul Furovanti and also on the YouTube channel as well, where I'm sort of starting to post some, some Steno-related content there. And you can also find a bunch of Steno-related posts, blog posts on my blog at paulfuravanti.com. Nice. And so, yeah, I guess you go over there, folks, and, and hit the like and subscribe button, as the YouTubers like to say, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> like, like smash like and subscribe, I guess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, then let us go to the fun part of the podcast. Haha. And let's talk about picks. So, Paul, have you brought any picks? Uh, I have brought some picks. My first pick today is uh, Super Nintendo World. So my uh, I at the end of 2022, I took a uh, an extended holiday and went to Japan to go and see some uh, some family and friends. And during that time, I stopped off at uh, Universal Studios Japan in uh, Osaka uh, for the uh, main objective, or really the only really real objective, was to go to Super Nintendo World. And I had the best time ever. Like my inner ten year old had an absolute ball. And I think that uh, anyone who has even a passing interest in Uh, in games or, or theme parks uh, should absolutely go there. You couldn't wipe the smile off my face for the entire time. Getting a getting a ticket to go there was probably one of the most horrid experience, ticket buying experiences I've ever had in my life. And, uh, you know, the, the system and the, the way to get the tickets was just absolutely terrible. But that was all forgotten about when I entered the park and basically just had the time of my life. It was uh, so much fun. And, uh, you know, I'm in my 40s and that doesn't matter. Just go there and release your inner child. And I'm pretty sure that now you don't probably, I think that any of our uh, friends based in the US don't have to go to Japan anymore. I believe that there is a US version of it that's opened up at Universal Studios in California. So I'm sure that it's probably exactly the same thing there. So I would uh, recommend going to either one of those parks there. You will have an awesome time. God damn it. I want to go there so badly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I grew up with Nintendo games. They were like my, my very first video game. Like I really remember is like Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo. So oh, then, now you put something in my brain that is not going to leave me. <laughs> 
Awesome. Awesome. That's what it's all about. <laughs> yep. So, uh, so yeah, theme park. My second pick would, would be GZ Doom, which is a, uh, a source port for Doom style games. So that's what uh, I alluded to you know, previously with Doom Typist. And, and I guess most importantly, you know, as, aside from the uh, the mods that I was able to run with Doom, is that was that using GZ Doom actually enabled me to be able to run you know classic Doom on a Mac. And as far as I know, it's pretty much the only way to do so at this point. So if you are a Mac user and you want to play uh, Doom, Doom Two, uh, Hex and Heretic, and, and all the and all of the other you know wonderful and wacky mods that are out there, then uh, you will definitely want to look into GZ Doom. And then my third pick would be Park Run. So Park Run is it's like a community organized event where you uh, sort of I think every Saturday uh, at various parks around the world, uh, people gather and they do runs. Like it's sort of a, a competitive yet uh, you know fun run there. And so running was something that I ended up getting into at the uh, the start of the pandemic because. Uh, Plenty of places in uh, in Australia were very much locked down, and you could only uh, sort of go out for a, uh, a short period of time. And so I wanted to ended up wanting to make the most of it, and and that's what sort of kicked me off with running. But then starting 2023, I was kind of like, all right, I have to uh, start attending some events or, or running some races or whatever. And uh, and Park Run is uh, was a great introduction to them. So it's only it's like five kilometers. I'm not certain what that is in miles. Developers are smart. You'll be able to Google what that is and but it's tens or, or sometimes hundreds of people will turn up there it's a it seems to be like a really uh, welcoming and supporting uh, you know community just based around fitness and so yeah I can, I can, and it can just it's really nice to just go and use it as an excuse to explore you know various parks you know around uh, around your city so you know in sydney where i am at the moment you know there are there are plenty of really nice parks there that uh, that you know i hadn't really visited before but park run gave me a uh, a reason or an excuse to to go there and, uh, and i'm sure that it would uh, do something similar in the town that you're in nice that, that sounds like fun that also sounds like something i should probably do more often like i used to actually run quite a bit and then i got like a little bit issues with my knee and then i stopped running but i probably could pick it up again that yeah you know how these yeah. things go <laughs> yeah well you know so, in, in in park runs case you don't necessarily have to run i mean they're, they're quite happy to have you walk it or just uh or jog like it or like it's all at your own pace it's a it's just a fun activity but yeah it's, it just it's something to get you out and about and you know something to give something just to aim towards uh, so that you know and you, you you get a time at the end of it so there's your deliverable at the end you get to take away you know something after you finish it cool and um, then i i have only one pick this week and that is a video game i started playing recently because i think last time it was i picked Disco Elysium, uh, or it was before that, I'm not entirely sure. And Disco, well, Disco Elysium is, is a great game. It's also very text-heavy, very, very, like, thought-heavy, so to speak. There's not a lot of gameplay going on there, and I was, was yearning for something a lot more gameplay-heavy. And then I remember the recommendation a friend made me recently, and I started playing Sifu. And Sifu is basically a Jack Lee movie. You play a kung fu person <laughs> try smashing up a bunch of gangsters. It's like, it's a really cliche vengeance story, right? Like, your father was killed by this evil kung fu guy. So you're training a lot and then you go out and try to get him and his uh, his assistants and his, uh, yeah. But it's, the interesting tidbit is that it has like these rogue light elements where you, the game is really difficult and in the beginning you're going to get your, sorry for, for phrasing, you're going to get your ass handed to you. 
<laughs> and what happens there is then like every time your character gets knocked out, they die, they, and, and a death counter goes up. And your character ages by the number of years on that death counter until you hit 70. And after that, if you have to, after 70, you, uh, you die, basically. And throughout the levels, you can also like reduce the death counter again. But the main thing is kind of you have to get to the bad guy in one run without dying of old age, so to speak. <laughs> So that is kind of kind of the gist of it, and you can repeat levels, and then you can go back to. But does it have any mods that enable it to become a typing simulator? Maybe. I mean, like it, at that point, it's, <laughs> it already it has like a quite a complex input pattern because there's a lot of different um, moves you can be doing. It's not like Bayonetta or Devil May Cry level combos where like it gets really crazy. But in general, like because it's like this kung fu kind of game, it has a lot of different techniques the character can be performing you also unlock progressively so yeah it's like i said the story is super cliche but the gameplay is insanely tight and it's just a pleasure to play and honestly it just looks so cool <laughs> i mean you're playing this kung fu person <laughs> smashing up gangsters it's just a pleasure to watch so yeah if you uh, are looking for something very gameplay heavy then sifu i can highly recommend i'm very much i very much enjoyed it the very first time i booted it up it was like 9 p.m and i was like hey, let's check this out real quick and then at 1 a.m i was like i have to turn it to the playstation off i need to go to bed <laughs> so yeah <laughs> that is what happened for me okay Sounds Paul, awesome was a pleasure having you on the show thank you for for, for sparking an interest in steno in me because i might actually check those things out maybe, maybe not today maybe not this week but you, you definitely intrigued me thanks very much for having me on the show it was uh, it was really fun talking to you and i hope that anyone that listens to this yeah please consider steno as your your next hobby to go and do a deep dive into yes then thank you for listening to this and tune in next time when we have another episode of elixir mix bye <laughs>